0: Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, the team makes a flurry of moves on Monday. We'll definitely break those down. Plus, we got a really good question about the upcoming NFL draft in the end of April. We'll talk about that. Your calls and texts will close out the show. It's all coming up on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, March 21st, 2023.
1: Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Just win. You ought to win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered.
0: Welcome in Raider Nation to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast and get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's available. If YouTube is your platform of choice, that's all possible because my man Ari, he's putting in the work. You can find him on Twitter at Ari Producers. We definitely appreciate him. And speaking of work, the Raiders are putting in work on Monday. And when I go over the signings that they made, because they did make a handful of signings official on Monday, and a couple that aren't official that will will. will be probably later on today. Again, none of them are going to be names that anyone gets excited and fired up about and thinks, okay, that's going to be the difference maker for the team. Now they're about to go all the way. There's not going to be those kind of signings. I'd say it each and every day that we talk about it on the show, that there's not going to be that big home run signing that a lot of folks are looking for. But at the same time, they are continuing to add players to the roster, and they did that on Monday. The Raiders added tight end O.J. Howard. He played 13 games, had 10 catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns for the Houston Texans in 2022. He's a guy I was a big fan of coming out of Alabama, and I'll say it a million times on this show. I have no problem with that. I'm a big Alabama football fan. Right. I'm the one at the house yelling, roll tide all day. (laughs) Right. It's no problem. So uh, I was excited about O.J. Howard when he came out of school, drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And because of injury, really was never able to be that dude and still hasn't been that dude. He was picked number 19 overall by Tampa Bay in 2017. Spent five seasons with the team. He's been in 74 career games, 60 starts, has 129 total catches, 1882 yards and 17 touchdowns. He just hasn't been the guy, and I thought he was going to be. I had no doubt about it that O.J. Howard was going to be the guy coming out of school, but it just never translated. Uh, I saw a tweet from Ian Rappaport when he was saying that uh, O.J. Howard was visiting with the Raiders on Monday, that maybe the Raiders found their replacement for Darren Waller. He's not the replacement for Darren Waller. He's a guy that's going to be some quality depth, They're going to continue to add quality depth. And don't forget, there's a a deep, deep tight end class in the upcoming NFL draft. And again, I know people get tired of hearing it, but that's where the Raiders are going to try to butter their bread. They're going to try to really do a lot of the heavy lifting in the draft, Some people like that. I'm okay with that. Other people hate that approach, and I get it, right? It's been years on top of years on top of years where the Raiders have not been very successful when it comes to the draft, but I'm not going to hold that against this past staff because this is just one year in, so they're not responsible for everything that Gruden and Mayock didn't do well or everything Reggie McKenzie didn't do well or anything that anyone before them didn't do well, right? This is all just on them, so I'm going to go ahead and judge them based off what we've seen from them and I really want to see what they can do this upcoming year. So, O.J. Howard, he was added to the mix shortly after that safety Jaquan Johnson 16 games 28 tackles interception and one pass defense he was added to the mix and he wasn't made official the Raiders didn't send out an email about him yet but uh, it was put out there on Twitter that he was joining the team so uh, he's another safety added to the mix I'm sure we'll get that official notification from the Silver and Black later on today talking about him but uh, he's a guy that comes from the University of Miami and he was a thumper he was a thumper. He made some plays back at the U. You know, he, uh, he was rocking the turnover chain all the time, came up with a bunch of interceptions, hit hard. Uh, he was that guy. And it's funny, someone hit me up on Twitter and said, maybe he's going to be like Carl Joseph, like we all thought Carl Joseph was going to be when the Raiders selected him. And I hadn't thought about that when I saw Jaquan Johnson, uh, you know, agreed to deals with the, with the Raiders. And then I thought about it. You know, kind of looked at a little bit more of his film and said, you know, I could, I could see a little Carl Joseph in him. I don't know what Jaquan Johnson's going to be for the Silver and Black. I do know he's going to be a key special teams guy, which most of these guys are going to all compete on special teams. And I'm going to do a little bit of a breakdown on my radio show. Nate Geary, who does radio in Buffalo, he's going to join the show to talk about Jaquan Johnson as... Johnson's coming over from the Buffalo Bills. So uh, interested to see what he has to say about him and what he thinks he can do as he was sitting behind a couple all pros in Buffalo. So he didn't really get an opportunity to get out there on the field a whole lot. Mostly, Mostly his burn came by way of special teams. But the Raiders weren't done there. No, they went out and signed a guy that I'm actually pretty intrigued by, defensive lineman Jordan Willis. He's got 10.5 career sacks. Uh, he only got two sacks in 2022 with the 49ers and played in nine games, uh, and he was made official. The Raiders sent out the email about him officially joining the team. Uh, it says, Willis joins the Raiders after playing the past two seasons for San Francisco, originally a third-round selection by the Bengals in 2017. He's played in 69 career games with two starts, posted 91 tackles, 10.5 sacks, 15 tackles for losses, one pass defense, three force fumbles, and three fumble recovery recoveries. He's from Kansas City. He went to Kansas State. I remember him when he went to Kansas State as I was covering the Big 12. He actually was Big 12 uh, player, defensive player of the year uh, back in his senior year. So you got to give him a lot of credit for that. And he just really never got into like a starting role in the NFL. He's always kind of been a backup as he's only had a couple career starts in his in his uh, career. But he's a guy that D'Amico Ryans and I, I talked to Matt Barrows from from uh, The Athletic on uh, Monday on my radio show on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And he said that, you know what, D'Amico Ryans, who was the the defensive coordinator of the 49ers, thought that he was more than just a rotational piece, thought he was a guy that actually, you know, affected the game when he got into the game. So I'm kind of interested to see what Jordan Willis could bring to the table. If nothing else... Just be a guy that can come in on third down, pin his ears back, and get after the quarterback. Similar to what I thought we were going to see from Malcolm Koontz, and we really didn't see. So I'm interested to see what Jordan Willis brings to the table, but he officially joined the Silver and Black as well. But the Raiders weren't done. <laughs> they weren't done there. They also added wide receiver Cam Sims, who had been with Washington since 2018. Uh, this is a signing that has not become official yet, but I'm sure it will sometime today. The Raiders will send out the official email letting him know that he signed, sealed, and delivered. But he's six foot five wide receiver. He had 32 catches for 477 yards in 2020. He's only 27 years old. He's really a special teams ace. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier, a very good special teams player. And that's what they're really doing. They're bringing in a lot of competition, a lot of guys that can perform on special teams. And also if they needed him in a pinch, they can be put on the defensive side of things. So, uh, or, or even on the wide receiver side of things like cam Sims, but again, six foot five, right? He played 17 games in 2022. He only had eight catches for 89 yards and no touchdowns. He is familiar with Scott Turner, who's now part of the offensive coaching staff for the Raiders. Uh, But he spent the first five seasons in Washington played 55 games, 17 starts, 57 catches, 804 yards and three touchdowns. Again, they describe him as a, a core special teamer in 2022, seeing action on 244 snaps in 17 games, also played 328 offensive snaps. He recorded eight catches for 89 yards and three tackles. So basically, in my opinion, he's Matt Hollins. He's a replacement for Matt Hollins. They're bringing in him to play that Matt Hollins role who's off to Atlanta as he signed the one-year $2.5 million deal that we talked about on Monday's show. So there you go, wide receiver Cam Sims in the mix for the Silver and Black. Again, they weren't done. They also brought back wide receiver Keelan Cole, and I was actually surprised by that. I didn't think that Keelan Cole was going to return to the Silver and Black in 2023, but he is. They re-signed him to a one-year deal. He played in 14 games and had 10 catches, 141 yards, and one touchdown in 2022, and that one touchdown was that big one against the Patriots Week 15, where he barely got his foot inbounds, and who knows if he really did get his foot inbounds, but it was a big touchdown catch that helped the Raiders get back in that game and eventually win that game on the Chandler Jones walk-off when Jacoby Myers threw the ball and Chandler Jones went up and grabbed it, and then he big faced uh, Mac Jones threw him in the ground and and basically took it to the house so uh, Keelan Cole is back with the silver and black, and don't get it twisted. Like they're putting together a roster, and after they get all their draft picks and everything, there's going to be guys that are going to be released. I mean, they're going to be close to 90 players sooner rather than later. Uh, they got to go to camp with 90 guys, and so there's a lot of guys that are going to lose their their jobs, right? So all these guys aren't guaranteed to be on the roster in 2023, but they're providing competition, which I think is important. Competition at all positions, especially when you have as many holes as the Raiders do. If they go ahead and open up the competition, and everyone has to battle it out for their spot. I don't think that that's a bad thing. So that's really what Dave Ziegler and company are trying to do right now, create competition at every spot. And I know right now you're thinking, yeah, but there's no big-time names. There's no difference makers. There will be. I do believe when it's it's all said and done and the draft uh, comes and goes, there will be some difference makers as well. And there will be plenty of guys that will be competing for spots, and that's how they're going to continue to try to put the roster together a couple more notes for you here in segment number one of today's locked on Raiders podcast kind of news and notes of the day coming in on Wednesday speaking of competition Titans free agent tight end Austin Hooper is expected to visit with the Raiders on Wednesday. He's a two time pro bowler. that could add uh, a little bit more depth to the tight end room that has OJ Howard in the mix. And well, it could end up with Austin Hooper. And I don't think that they're going to be done there. If they do add him, and it's Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard, I still believe the Raiders are going to go into the draft and get a guy. Would love to see them get Darnell Washington out of Georgia. He's a Las Vegas native. I don't really think that that's probably going to be possible since he had a really good combine. I think he's going to be a first-round pick, and I can't see the Raiders drafting a tight end in the first round. I just can't see it. But it's a very deep tight end draft, so I do believe they'll come out of the draft with at least a tight end, a quarterback, and a bunch of defensive players. So that's what I got for you. I do have one, well, actually one more little note here for you, a little news and notes here in segment number one. How about Cam Newton? Cam Newton is going to be throwing at Auburn's Pro Day today. How how cool is that? I saw the uh, announcement on Twitter. He actually put out a tweet and a little video talking about he was going to be throwing at Auburn's Pro Day. And I'm intrigued by Cam, right? Obviously, we know when Cam was healthy and out there playing and he was the MVP of the league, he was phenomenal. He was one of those great players. Uh, We know he got an opportunity in New England to play with the Patriots, so Josh McDaniels is familiar with him. I just wonder how healthy Cam is now that he's been away from the game for a minute. Uh, There were some videos of him throwing the ball around the yard. If he's healthy, and I think it would be dumb if the Raiders didn't at least attend his pro day to check it out to see exactly what he looked like and maybe even sit him down and have a conversation with him. If he's healthy, I would have no problem with Cam Newton being a backup to to Jimmy G. I think that'd be awesome and even use them for packages. You know, we talked about Anthony Richardson and how you could bring him in for some packages. I would have no problem seeing a combination of Jimmy G and Cam Newton at the quarterback position and still allow the team to go out there and draft a guy if they wanted to, if they chose to. If they don't, then that's on them. But if they did, I'd be okay with that. And they wouldn't even have to, to, to dress out. They could just prepare. They could sit and uh, start to mature and start to learn the game and, and at some point take over when they're ready. But Jimmy G and Cam... I'll be okay with that. I kind of like that. So I'm interested to see what happens at Auburn's Pro Day. But I'll tell you what, as soon as he made that announcement, he made Auburn's Pro Day that much more exciting. So that's going to happen today. And, of course, we'll talk about it coming up on tomorrow's show. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast, kind of news and notes around the league and a lot to do with the silver and black as they made a lot of signings on Monday, some official, others will become official later on today. Before we get into segment number two, we got a really good question from a listener of the On Raiders podcast that has to do with the NFL draft. Want to read the question, talk about it, discuss it, and break it on down. We'll do it after I tell you about FanDuel. And right now, the NCAA tournament is going on. It's heating up. Perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet does not win, all you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything. For the money line, points scored, how many threes are hitting the game, Anything you want, FanDuel's got you covered. Plus, they even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same-game parlay. Don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash on to learn about more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. All right,
0: Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Sometimes we have calls and texts strictly in segment number three, and sometimes we get a really good question. I decided I want to bring it to the table, and I thought this was a really good question. I even brought it to the table on my radio show on Monday on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920, and this comes from Liam Scott uh, on Twitter, at Get Swag, Die Tryin'. I like that Twitter name right there. Obviously, it's got a little 50-cent reference right there, but at Get Swag, Die Tryin said, What's up, Q? I believe that we're going to try to trade up with Arizona on draft day if their guy is still available at number three. Obviously, he's talking about a quarterback. My question to you is, would you prefer to give up draft capital or to give up players? Ex- example, Renfro, Merrick, Hobbs, et cetera. And he said, if we're saving a second-round pick, I'm giving up the players. If we're saving a third, I probably wouldn't give up Renfro, but Merrick and Hobbs, I'd definitely be thinking long and hard. Love the show, man. Keep doing what you do. Again, that's from Liam Scott, at Get Swag Die Trying. On Twitter, And it's funny, I brought that question to the table on my radio show, and I think I was more comfortable. It was funny because I kind of, you know, I, I talked about it. Damon talked about it. We had some people hit us up and talk about it. And at first, I was kind of just more comfortable with giving up the draft capital if they move up to number three to go get their guy. But the more and more I thought about it, and we talked to different guests on the show as we do each and every day, uh, Amber Thea Harris, she brought up some good points. And I honestly, Liam, don't think that the Raiders are going to move up from number three or to number three. I don't think that they're going to get off a of number seven. I think that they're going to be comfortable and stay right there. And we all know that they tried to make a move for number one. They didn't land it, right? Carolina ended up landing that number one spot. So Carolina has control of the draft. They have all four of the quarterbacks potentially in their back pocket, right? Any of them, they can go and select. Houston, we know, is going to select the quarterback. So I think Stroud and Bryce Young are off the board. I don't know if they're going to be sold so much on a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson that they feel like they have to trade at the number three. And when you have as many holes as the Raiders do, why not just address the defense, right, and get the best defensive player? And I've heard people talk about, oh, well, you go and get the best defensive lineman. You could wait and get a corner later. No, you get the best player, period. Right. If that just happens to be a corner, take the corner. If that happens to be a defensive lineman, take the defensive lineman. If it has to, happens to be, you know, a, a tackle, uh, go get that tackle. I mean, whatever the case may be, and I'm talking defensive tackle or like edge rusher or cornerback. Uh, I don't think that there'll be a linebacker. I know there's not a linebacker that would be the the guy that they take at number seven. I can't see them taking a safety at number seven either. But man, if they're if the best defensive player on their board is there at seven, why not just go and get that guy? especially since they have so many holes. And as we see, they've signed a lot of guys in free agency, but they haven't signed any dudes, right? They haven't signed any alpha dogs. Still currently on the Raiders, the alpha dog that they have on defense is Max Crosby. They need to come out of this draft with, I would say, at least three starters on the defensive side of things, and one to two of those guys need to be alphas. So that alpha could easily come at number seven overall. And, you know, Amber really brought up a good point when she was talking to us on Monday, the fact that, How many quarterbacks have really worked out when teams trade up for them, right? Just think about all the guys in recent history that that teams have traded up to go get, and they haven't worked out. Like a Mitchell Trubisky. Remember Chicago traded up one spot to go get him. Now, I know Kansas City traded up to go get Patrick Mahomes. That worked out really well. But at the top of the draft, think about it. Like Jared Goff, they traded up, the Rams traded up to go get him. Didn't really work out, right? He's in Detroit now. Carson Wentz, the Eagles traded up to go get him. Obviously, that didn't work. Hell, Trey Lance. You know, most recently in San Francisco, they traded up to go get him, and that hasn't worked out, right? I mean, you just don't know what they even have in him. There's so many different—I think Mark Sanchez was another guy uh, that that was traded up for, and that obviously didn't work out. So more times than not, even though you trade up to go get a guy, doesn't necessarily mean that that guy is going to pan out. Now, Carolina's already traded up, so you know that they're going to take a quarterback, so we'll have to see what happens in that case. But more times than not, that just doesn't play out right. So— if you're the Raiders and you have Jimmy G and you feel comfortable with whoever his backup is, it, it, it might not be that necessary to, uh, you know, to go and get a quarterback at number seven. And then think about this scenario. The quarterback that they're looking at might end up falling to him at number seven. Like, I doubt it. I, I, I highly doubt it just because there'll probably be a tre- team that trades up to number three uh, with Arizona to go get a quarterback. And, then, uh, and it might be the Indianapolis Colts who we know needs a quarterback. Seattle could take one just to hold on to him, stash him. Uh, the Lions could always take one if they want to have sit behind Jared Goff. But say Seattle takes the best defensive lineman and maybe Detroit does the same thing. Maybe Anthony Richardson or Will Levitz, if if that's one of the guys that is left, maybe they do fall to him and they still grab him at number seven and not have to give up any draft capital. So there's a possibility that that can happen. I don't think it's going to happen, but there's there's a slight possibility that can happen. But again, the worst case scenario, especially with all the holes that this team has, is I think defense would not be a bad way to go. Right, they, they haven't really addressed that defense in such a long time. I was talking to my guy, Mike Gill, who does radio up in uh, New Jersey, and I was asking about the Eagles kind of picking his brain about what Howie Roseman does. And he says, man, Q, all they really do is attack the trenches. In the draft, they always draft offensive alignment and defensive alignment, and then they just build it out. And that wouldn't be a bad approach, right? We know that the Raiders need a defensive tackle. We know that they need another edge rusher. If Tyree Wilson is there at the edge, go get him. Right. I think that I don't I honestly don't think that Jalen Carter is going to be on the Raiders radar, but they could be. It could be a guy and he could potentially be there at number seven. I don't know where his draft stock is right now. I'm so confused by him. You know, and honestly, even with his off the field issues, that's one thing. You can chalk that up to mistakes and and you could you know talk to him, sit him down and say, okay, you know what? I don't think that young man will do that again. But for me, what concerns me the most is the fact that at his pro day, he came in nine pounds overweight and he couldn't finish his pro day. That's the biggest job interview you got, right? I mean, that's the one where he should be ready to go. And, you know, we could all say, well, he's got a lot going on off the field, so he couldn't really concentrate. But when you're about to hand someone millions on top of millions, this team, any team in the league is not going to want to hear about, well, he's got a lot going on off the field. He can't handle it. They're going to say, ah, uh, yeah, not, not, not really. Right. And they're going to think twice before they go ahead and hand a guy uh, all that kind of money that may not be able to handle the, the pressure uh, if something happens to be going on off the field. And I know what's going on off the field is major. But again, uh, the time is just bad for him. Right. I mean, this is a massive job interview. And that pro day, he just failed it. So, you know, he's got plenty of time between now and the draft to prove who he is and prove that that's not him. I just don't think that for this staff, we talked about it on Monday's show. They want to see someone that's all in on football. They want to see someone who's, you know, the first one in, the last guy out. I mean, the guy who's 100 percent dedicated. They ain't got to tell him what to do. And just by failing and flopping on your pro day, kind of makes me feel like that uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are probably like, yeah, thanks but no thanks. He's a good talent, but he ain't that that great. He ain't worth the trouble. So uh, again, you know, to answer the question, and I know it's not really the 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 question that was asked. I don't think it's going to have to matter. I think that they're going to stay pat at number seven and take the best defensive player. Now, if I did just answer the question based off of how it was was presented – I think that when you have 12 draft picks, depending on how much you would have to use to move up to number three, I would probably just go ahead and give up the draft capital. Because again, they have 12 picks and they're not going to need 12 players. They're not going to draft all 12 players. It's just not going to happen and they're not going to sign 12 players from the NFL draft. So if they didn't have to give up too much draft capital and really not not get out of this year's draft, you know, if they could just if they could just give up capital from the 2023 draft and move up to three, I'd be good with that. But there's no telling that that would happen. Uh, I mean, Renfro, I would I would hold on to him and give him a chance to see if he could be the guy that we all expected he was going to be a season ago. Merrick, I think he has some potential, even though he took a step back in 2022. Hobbs, I wouldn't give up. He's just got some physicality, and I think just because he was injured last year is the reason why he didn't play up to the level that we thought he could, or at least I thought he could. So, uh, I don't know. I guess if there's one of those players that had to go, maybe Merrick would be the guy that they move on from, give up, uh, you know, number seven overall, uh, maybe another pick, and then like a third-round pick And Merrick. Uh, maybe if that got it done, I could see the Raiders doing it and not really uh have any problem with this since Merrick wasn't their guy anyway. That could be a possibility. But for the most part, I think I would just give up the draft capital. At least you already know what you have in those players, especially Renfro and Hobbs. You kind of already know what you got in those guys. And the draft capital, you don't know what you're going to select when you go to select them. So that's what I guess I would do. But honestly, I don't think that it's going to have to even worry uh, about it. It's not even going to matter. I think the Raiders are going to stay pat at number seven and let the board fall to them as it may and take the best defensive player there and then get ready and get reloaded and get ready to draft again in round two and then do it again, rinse and repeat in round three, a couple times in round three, right? I I just think that that's what they're going to do. They've got five picks in the first 109 selections. So really... At least the first two picks, man, they can really end up being starters. And that number seven overall, hopefully, is that alpha dog that I so desire for the Raiders to have. They have one in max. They need another one. Matter of fact, they need a couple more on the defensive side of things. But that's what I got for you for segment number two. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts. Straight off that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. We'll get to that right after I tell you about Bill Bar and the March Madness Bracket. And we know... You got a favorite bar or puff, and now's the time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'll be voting for Cookies and Cream. I'm simple. I just really like Cookies and Cream. If you're like me, that's the one that you're going to vote for to win, then you'll be voting for that bar, right? Support your team, support your bar or puff. When you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, Locked On fans will get a 12-month subscription. One lucky Locked On fan will get a 12-month subscription to to have Built Bars Built best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. And you know you got to try them, right? It's the best protein bar. Uh, they're super good tasting, 100% real chocolate, so many different flavors to choose from. You got to get your hands on them. So check it out today. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com, vote for your favorite bar or puff, and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March. So make it happen. Again, BuiltMarchMadness.com.
2: Every day. Here
0: we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and text straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Feel free to chime in about the question that Liam Scott uh, put out to me uh, that we talked about in segment number two when he said, I believe that we're going to try to trade up with Arizona on draft day if their guy is still available at number three. My question to you is, would you prefer to give up draft capital or give up players like a Renfro, Merrick, Hobbs, etc.? Then he went on to say, "If we're saving a second-round pick, I'm giving up the players. If we're saving a third, I'd probably give up. Uh, wouldn't give up Renfro, but Merrigan, hobbs I'd definitely be thinking long and hard." Love the show, man. Keep doing what you're doing. So that's the question that Liam Scott at Get Swag Die Trying on Twitter uh, put to me, and so you can respond to that if you'd like, or you could do like Wine Country Raider, who called in to talk about the Waller trade from a Waller fans' point of view. Here he is, Wine Country Raider.
1: What's up, Q? It's Wine Country Raider. Just calling to hit on the Darren Waller. Thing real quick you made a pretty good point you know in that interview with Lombardi you know you do want these players to have lives outside of football but you also have to earn that respect from your coaches if you're going to go if you're injured and you're going to go home on a bye and take the fine you know that's all good and fine but you have to earn the respect from your coaches so they know that hey you're you're here and you're doing everything you can get better and get back on the field and do what you can for this team and if you're going to go home to see family or whatever you know you they have to have the trust in you that you're you know what where your mind is and where what you're here for if you're just going to go home and you're like um i'm I'm hurt i'm just gonna dip out for a while you know i don't care find me you know that attitude is not what you want in your locker room you want guys like max Cosby, you want guys like josh jacob's josh jacob's went his dad you know had a health scare he Flew out to see his dad. His dad said, get back and play. He flew back and play. Like, those are guys you want. So, you know, I was sad seeing the, seeing he and Darren go, but after hearing stuff like that, you're like, yeah, you know, that was the right decision. He was banged up, you know, so it just doesn't seem like his mind is all there. And if you want to, you know, turn this, this team around and be winners, you can't have people like that. You know, his story is a great story, you know, seeing hearing him, he'll give his sobriety and all that, but we need dogs. We need absolute dogs. One country later out.
0: Thank you so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And that's just it. This staff didn't feel like Waller had earned the right to not communicate and not to go to his treatment treatment sessions to work on his hammy. I hate that for Waller. He's a good dude. He's a really good player when he's out there healthy. He's a great story. But great stories and good dudes aren't necessarily meaning that you're going to keep your job, especially not with this staff. Like Great stories and good dudes are, are all fine and dandy. But when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, these guys want guys that are going to dedicate themselves to the team and and dedicate themselves to football. The one thing that I learned as I was sitting at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, really ever since – this new staff has taken over. Anytime someone that played uh, for Coach McDaniels or played for the Patriots um, will, will be introduced to the media, somebody in the media, not me, but somebody will always say, well, we always hear about the Patriot way. What is the Patriot way? And it's so funny because the player will laugh and they say it's, it's nothing more than just dedicating yourself to the team doing anything that the team needs you to do to go win games. It's not some secret sauce. It's just being 100% locked in on football. Like, that's the kind of guy that they're looking for. That's what Jacoby Myers said. It was like, it's, it's no secret sauce. Just dedicate yourself to the team. And he was, he was crushed when he made that terrible mistake at Allegiant Stadium and cost the Patriots that game in week 15. And he said, man, I was down. I was down bad. Like, I was really upset that I let my teammates down. Again, that's going back to the Patriot way. But they picked him up. His teammates picked him up and said, hey, you're our dude. Don't worry about it. So it's so funny. People talk about the Patriot way. and I don't want to hear about the Patriot way out west. It's nothing. It's nothing more than just doing everything that you can do for the team. And, and that should be every team's way. Right. I mean, really, honestly, that should be every team's thinking like, hey, we're going to do everything in our power. All our players are going to give everything they have in that locker room to go out and win championships. That's the goal. That should be the goal for every team. Right. And of course, people are going to have other other, uh, you know, interests off the field. And, and, and that's fine. People are allowed to have a life. But, you know, when your employer wants you to be 100 percent locked in, I said it on Monday show, that's not for everybody, but that's what it is for them. And so that's what they're going to be looking for. They're going to be looking for a bunch of Max Crosby's because that's exactly who Max Crosby is. Thank you, Wine Country Raider, for that call. I do appreciate you. Next up, got a text from Taylor in Oregon. It said, what's up, Q? Taylor in Oregon, just wondering if you know something the rest of us don't. This time last year, we were all saying the offensive line and defense needs work. So far, I don't see any work being done. We signed backups at best on defense and nobody knew on the offensive line. I hear you. We can't build a team through free agency and trades. There needs to be more talented infused to the defense, especially our linebacker group on paper is worse off than the year. When the year ended last time I checked, we had no viable cornerbacks Do the Raiders have anything in the works. Or are we about to watch them trot out a defense full of backups and rookies? Are we going to watch the same revolving door of subpar offensive line play next year? Strap in for another stinker Raider nation. Good luck, Jimmy. Thank you so much, Taylor for that text. I do appreciate you. And no, I don't know anything different than, you know, I'm basing everything I'm talking about off what I'm seeing. Uh, But I do understand what this this staff is trying to do, as I've tried to reiterate and pass that along plenty of times. They're not going to spend a lot of money in free agency like it doesn't matter how much Raider Nation gets pissed off and pounds the table and says, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? They're going to stick to their plan. And I'm not saying it's it's the plan that's going to work. I'm just saying it's the plan that they're sticking to. They're going to sign a bunch of guys that have a lot to prove. They're going to sign a lot, bunch of guys that are going to go out there and compete. And they're going to put the best guys out there on the field. Some of them are names that you look at and you say, oh, I don't think that guy's going to be anything like a Robert Spillane. But he's thinking he's going to wear the green dot. So he really feels like he has a chance to go compete. Marcus Epps, he played the most snaps ever uh, you know, in his career last year with the Eagles. And so he feels like he's on the upward trajectory. Maybe they're getting guys that are on the upward trajectory and they're going to surprise you a little bit. Guys develop. Right. I mean, everyone doesn't come into the league as all pro. Some guys have to work their way up, work their way up, work their way up. And I'm not saying that that's exactly what they're going to do, but that's just kind of what it seems. As far as the offensive line, they re-signed Jermaine Illuminor. He was their starting right tackle and swing tackle. Uh, I don't think he's a starter in 2023, but that's just me. Uh, Brandon Parker, they re-signed him. He missed last season with a tricep injury. Again, I think he's more depth. Thayer Mumford, I do think that he takes a step forward his second year in the league as a seventh-round pick. Justin Heron, remember, he's back. He had a knee injury he suffered right after the Raiders traded for him back in September. And then you got Colton Miller. So those are the tackles. And oh, by the way, you can still address that in the upcoming draft, which I do believe they're going to do. As far as the guards go, Dylan Parham, you know, he's he was a hit. I don't know if he's going to go to center or if he's going to stay at guard. He might. Uh, I think that his best position might end up being center, but we'll see. Uh, Natani Muti, they brought him back. They liked him a lot. So he's a guy that can fill a void, Uh, you know, and and then there's still. There's still plenty of other guys out there. So I wouldn't say that on March 21st, everything is set in stone of this is what this team is going to be. I mean, just because they're not out there spending like the Bears and they're not out there spending a ton of money uh, like Denver did. And, you know, other teams out there that like the 49ers, when they went and, and signed Hargrave, they didn't make any of those kind of moves because if they did, it would only be like one move. It'd be one move, and they have way too many holes for that. So I just think that, and I, I hate to say patience, but I think that you have to be just a little bit patient and see what they do. Give them an, op- a, an op- opportunity to operate. Again, it's March 21st. You don't win any games right now, and there's plenty of times when the Raiders have won March, and it's turned out to be nothing. Right? You can win the offseason all you want. doesn't mean you're going to win the regular season. I'd much rather than win in September than win right now, but that's just me. Thank you for the text. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a call from Army Raider. He's calling to talk about McDaniels and Ziegler as far as the draft goes and points out the time in Denver as an example. Here he is, Army Raider.
2: What's up, Q? It's your boy, Army Raider. Listen to your show. Love it as always. I'm going to push back on something, though. I, do, I, I, I agree with going through the draft and having patience. But I think Raiders fans, when it comes to McDaniel, Ziegler, and the Raiders, are fine to not have patience. And I'll explain why we us have patience and trust him in the draft. However, if history shows us anything about McDaniels as a head coach and then Ziegler in the Times, Denver, New England, so on and so forth, when he's been involved in drafts, I mean, not sugar here, but they've kind of sucked. McDaniels is a horrible drafter. Um, Ziegler hasn't proven to be better. And even if we look to the Raiders draft last year, it wasn't good. I mean, I know they were missing the early round picks and we can't judge them on a total, but they still should have got some a little bit better, I think, even in those mid to late rounds. I mean, Parm's maybe the only one that's going to be a serviceable NFL player. I mean, Samir White, I don't want to give up on him yet because he didn't get the chance to get the burn. But even in the limited action, he seemed, well, limited. Um I hope, you know, fingers crossed, I'm going to pray that they they nail it, they kill the draft, you know, and we all shut up. But so far, you know, neither Ziegler nor McDaniels have succeeded in the positions they're in. I mean, that's just fact of the matter. doesn't mean they can't, but we have a track record of McDaniels as a head coach that isn't good. Uh, him drafting as a head coach isn't good. Um, and then with Ziegler, I mean, we're being honest. Sorry about that. If we're being honest, uh, New England kind of has been going downhill themselves lately as far as roster construction and everything else. So, you know, once Brady left, the kind of sailed, so to speak. Anyways, that's all I want to do is give a little pushback. Love to hear from you. Army Raider out.
0: Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And I honestly think it's really hard to judge the last the last year's draft because, well, Ziggler wasn't playing with the whole deck. I mean, look, he went out and made a move for Devontae Adams, giving up a first and second round pick. That was great. I mean, did we forget about that? That was a great move. I don't think anyone was upset by the Devontae Adams uh, trade, and I don't think there was anyone in in, uh, the first round when they were supposed to pick at, what, 24? That would have been the quality of Devontae Adams. And then they gave up a second round pick, so they didn't even get started until the third round. Mumford was definitely, or not Mumford, but uh, Parham was definitely a hit. Mumford might be a hit. Right. Mumford is a seventh round pick who got some burn his rookie year. And I do believe he's going to compete to get some more burn this next coming year. And he might end up being a starter in year three. I don't think he's a starter this year, but he could end up being a starter in year three. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get young guys and develop them. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just been a long time since the Raiders as an organization have done that. Zamir White, you mentioned, didn't get on the field. That wasn't Zamir White's fault. That was Josh Jacobs fault. Josh Jacobs went for sixteen hundred plus yards. I didn't want to see him come off the field. I don't think you wanted to see him come off the field. So if that means that Zamir White has to take a redshirt year, so be it. That was a hell of a year for Josh Jacobs. I'm so happy for that young man that he went out there and, you know, with no fifth-year option picked up and went out there and balled out. Now he's going to get a good contract. He's a franchise tag holder. He's going to get at least $10 million this upcoming year. I'm happy for Josh Jacobs. I do think you'll see more of a one-two punch. You know, not, not a whole lot, not as much as we expected when the season started. But I do think you'll see, you know, Zamir White get a little bit more burn this year with Josh Jacobs. I, I think that's okay. Uh, don't forget you got uh, Matthew Butler, who was a defensive tackle that the Raiders drafted, and Neil Farrell Jr., uh, another defensive tackle that didn't really get on the field too much. But the Raiders let, uh, they let uh, my guy, uh, Dollar Bill, uh, Andrew Billings, they let him go. He, he went to Chicago and signed a deal. They still have Bilal Nichols. Jonathan Hankins they traded him member to the Cowboys so I believe that they feel like those guys have an opportunity to go out there and compete and think if those two guys uh second round defensive or second second year defensive tackles take a step in the right direction this upcoming year then all of a sudden you got more young talent that they're starting to put into the mix like don't forget about those guys just because they didn't get a lot of burn their rookie year doesn't mean that they're not going to right I mean again let them go out there and compete and that's what Dave Ziegler is doing is creating competition Nothing is wrong with competition. Oh, by the way, they got 12 picks in the draft coming up. So they can get more young talent as long as they hit on the right picks. As far as not hitting on the picks and Josh McDaniels not... Look, Josh McDaniels has to prove he's a good coach. You're absolutely right about that. He has a losing record, and he hasn't hasn't been that guy. The only time he's been super successful is in New England. So you're absolutely right about McDaniels, the head coach. He's got a lot to prove. But as far as picks go, we all talk about him drafting Tim Tebow in Denver. But how about... The other picks that they had, how about Demarius Thomas? How about Eric Decker? How about Parrish Cox? How about Noshaw Moreno? How about Robert Ayers? That was 2009-2010. Those were just some of the selections that McDaniels, Ziegler, and company had in Denver. Those are some pretty good players right there. Again, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker, Parrish Cox, Noshaw Moreno, Robert Ayers. That's quality cats right there. And oh, by the way, Tim Tebow won a, a playoff game. Not saying that I liked him or thought he was a good player, but he won a playoff game. So I think that it's a little overblown. About what they're able to do, you know, and I know in New England, uh, I know Dave Ziegler wasn't calling the shots. He wasn't the GM there. He wasn't the guy selecting the players. So I don't put that on him either. I just go off of what he did last season and think that for what he was working with, he did all right. I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks. And now when he has a whole selection, a whole group of, I mean, a whole like pocket full of draft picks, twelve, I'm give him a chance. Give him a chance to see what he can do. I mean, that's that's. I mean, everyone's calling it a failure already. And haven't seen anything. That's what blows my mind is that everyone is so convinced it's a failure. And I'm almost willing to bet money that if they didn't come from New England, everyone wouldn't be calling it a failure already. But it's almost like a lot of Raider Nation wants them to fail. Just because they came from New England, you could say, see, I told you, see, I told you those New England guys can't get it done. It almost feels like a lot of Raider Nation rather see that happen than see them successful and have to tip the cap and say, hey, you know what? They actually did a good job. Me, I'm willing to see what happens. I don't know if it's going to be the right moves. I don't know if they're making all the right moves, but we'll find out sooner rather than later, right? Production will tell it all, but you can't see production until they're out there on the field. So I'm not going to call it a failure in March. Thank you for the, uh, thank you for the call though. I do appreciate you. And uh, one quick text as we close it out today. Uh, This is a text from Pedro in the 626. He says, yo Q, long time listener, first time texting. So I'm a new booty. Name is Pedro from the 626. I'm watching some highlights of Christian Gonzalez and that kid's a stud. I'd love to get him at seven. I can only imagine how he can get going against the Devontae Adams every day during practice that could possibly help him become that lockdown corner. We need love the podcast Q. Keep up the good work and go Raiders. That's from Pedro on the six two six, And that's one thing uh, that I do desire. I hope that the Raiders come out of the draft with a guy that they feel confident could be that lockdown corner. Uh, whether it's a Christian Gonzalez, whether it's a a Joey Porter Jr., whether it's a Devon Witherspoon, or whether it's one of the other guys that that are deeper in the draft. Because, again, this is a very deep cornerback class. But whoever they decide to pick at seven, if it happens to be Gonzalez, he's got the size, he's got the skill. He could be that lockdown dude. I'd be excited to see that. The Raiders, for years, used to have... Used to have the history of having really solid corners, and it's been a long time since they've had those dudes. So, if you have a Christian Gonzalez or somebody you come out of the draft that you think is that stud corner, and you combine that with Nate Hobbs and whoever else you decide to throw into the mix, you know, some other guys that you go ahead and, and bring in, that, I think it'd be awesome. They need to get back to the days of the Raiders having some shutdown corners, having some, some mean, nasty corners uh, on the edges, playing a little bump and run, and that's what Pat Graham wants to do. I'd love to see the Raiders get back to that. So thank you so much, Pedro, from that text. I do appreciate you. And thanks for being a new texter to the show. That's all I got time for on today's show. Went a little bit longer than I was supposed to, but you know, sometimes that's how I get down. So uh, Raider Nation tomorrow, uh, we'll talk about some more of the moves that became official. Maybe the Raiders will continue to uh, attack free agency like they've been doing. A bunch of one-year deals, a bunch of minimal money type deals, but they're trying to provide as much competition as possible. And I do think competition breeds excellence. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out, but at least they're active. Can't say they're not doing anything. It's just not the names that a lot of Raider Nation is looking for. So we'll get all that going on tomorrow's show when we're back here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Until then, thanks so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you get the latest edition of the show as soon as it's possible. Again, thanks to Ari so much for getting us up on YouTube, making us look good and sound good. And of course, Raider Nation, thank you. Without you, there is no show. So until tomorrow, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, Just win, baby.